Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I am so excited today because we're going to be talking with a serial entrepreneur who, holy cow, I can't even believe he's got time to be talking to us. Um, but he is so inspirational in how he proceeds with business and more importantly, with life. And we're going to have a great discussion today. So please join me in welcoming Adam Hergenrother to our program today. Welcome, Adam. How are you? I'm doing amazing, Deb, and thank you. And uh, congratulations to all your success and how much energy goes into putting these on for your audience and your listeners and the value that you bring to them. So thank you for all, well, all that you do. Thank you. You know, and people ask, why do you do it? Right. Um, and it's because I get to talk to the coolest people, um, you know, and, and, and I learn something every single time, you know, even with, you know, 920 plus episodes, thank I you. still learn something every single time. And so to me, that is, is why, why I do this. And, and, you know, if I learn, I'm hoping that my listeners and my viewers are learning also. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will jump into this. It's so like the Adam, worst part. I know. Say, it's like we, when people are like, I listen to these, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh, well, and and it's really funny because we're always like, wow, that sounds impressive, and I'm like, I you know. know, you you sent me the bio. <laughs> I I know. My team sent the bio. But yes, yes, right. You know, and and but it oh. is. Uh, the the cool thing about bios is, is it does give us that chance to shine, um, and I think so many people don't take that opportunity. Um, yeah. You know, and and so think about that, folks. You know, what what would your bio say if I was going to read it? Awesome. <clears throat> so Adam Hergenrother is an entrepreneur at heart. He is the founder and CEO of the thriving one billion with a B, folks, $1 billion organization, Adam Hergenrother Companies, which includes several organizations ranging from a national real estate company to an award-winning development and construction company to leadership training. He is passionate about using business to transform lives and believes that when you focus on leading yourself first, the business results will follow. When he's not leading and growing his organizations or working on his inner growth, you can find Adam in the Vermont mountains with his wife, Sarah, and their three wonderful children, Sienna, Asher, and Madeline. And what he didn't say in the bio is that he is the author of The 2000% Life, your guide to spiritual growth and business success without meditating on a mountaintop. And we're definitely going to be talking about that. But again, Adam, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Great, great. Well, you know, I would love to learn more about you. And so tell us a little bit about how it is that you got to where you are today. Yeah, that's a wonderful journey. And hopefully people hear this and realize that if I can do any of this, then anybody mm -hmm. else can mm -hmm. as well, too. Uh, you know, I grew up um, overweight. I used food as a way of kind of um, controlling emotions, how I would feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always try to be somebody that I wasn't. I was almost like a chameleon. So whatever somebody wanted me to be, I would try to do because I was very insecure. You know, then I was about a freshman in high school. I, uh, at this point, I culminated to about a hundred pounds overweight. I was in the recreational drugs and I was failing classes. And this is like two weeks into my, fre my freshman year. I remember coming home one day and, you know, people ask a lot about that day. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was as much about the day of much as just building up to that day. Mm -hmm. And it just, it wasn't like a spiritual movement or some deep voice that I heard. It was just, it was just this, like, what am I doing in my life? Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was just something that was just, that wanted to be uh itch that wasn't being scratched currently. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I, I came home and I put Celine Dion on, which at the time was really popular. It was right. Mm -hmm. it just it was what it was. And I, uh, I started, you know, I would cry and then I would kind of like start visualizing what am I on my life to look like. Mm -hmm. And it was really the first time I ever started some sort of like mm -hmm. visualization at all. 
Uh, and I remember it was like midnight. My dad worked nights and he came in um, and he heard me crying and he was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, mm-hmm. just not happy with my life. And he's like, well, you have two choices. You can accept it or you can change it. And he walked out of the room and I was Wise like, oh, man, mm-hmm. that's exactly, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's perfect. But it's funny. I think about my kids, if they were, if they had said that I would have gone in there and sat with them and had mm-hmm. a much larger conversation, mm-hmm. it was effective for him. So it worked. Mm-hmm. And you know, the next year I, I, he was right. I stopped hanging out with the people that I was hanging out with, which mm-hmm. we can put a pin and come back to that because for about two weeks, they threatened me with guns, broke my windows. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, really what it was, was they didn't like anybody else breaking away from them. Right. And making them feel like mm-hmm. they were inadequate mm-hmm. and insecure and mm-hmm. whatnot. So, anyways, we we I got through that, and I I ended up joining. I was actually playing football, and so I I started mm-hmm. in a sports, which is part of our foundation. Really helps kids mm-hmm. in sports because that right. was such an important part of my life mm-hmm. of turning it around. I lost hundred pounds within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why physicality is also really important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also gave me the confidence to mm-hmm. be able to realize that I didn't need to live somebody else's life, mm-hmm. and that I wanted to live my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I can't say it like that back then, but when I look back at it, um, that's essentially what was happening, you know, school, uh, in high school and coming into college, you know, I, I am not naturally, uh, book smart. So mm-hmm. I had to work really hard to get okay. really good grades in high school and, and in the college, um, as a freshman, I was into what's called the guaranteed admissions program for a state of Vermont. And I had to get a three O or better in the first semester. I got like a three, three. So I got mm-hmm. into the program, but more importantly, I had this roommate who wasn't a roommate. He was just a friend that lived in college on the weekends. If anybody else has had somebody like that before mm-hmm. his, uh, his father owned a car dealership mm-hmm. and I was working during college to kind of pay for things. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, maybe six, $700 in a bank account. Mm-hmm. And he said, Hey, you know, if we, if we each put $500 in, we can buy this vehicle and we can then fl- fix it and sell it. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I gave him $500. He put $500 in like a week later, we each made a thousand dollars. Wow. And that was so you really doubled your income, doubled. your investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- exactly. Actually we more than, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we ended up getting 50, $1,500 back. But anyway, Ooh. so we made a thousand dollars and I, um, that was the first time in business that I learned really leverage because I never saw the vehicle. I never did the work. I just put my money to work. Oh, and so okay. it really helped me mm-hmm. start to orient myself in terms of what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I actually, mm-hmm. about six months later, we had, we had probably amassed about $60,000 each in profit. Whoa. And, uh, he, I also learned the value of contracts. Cause at some point he goes like, I don't need your money anymore. Like you're not doing anything. So that was a valuable thing, but Mm -hmm. I took the money and I actually put it into real estate. So as, as a, as at that point, it was like a sophomore in college coming into sophomore year, I bought a pre-construction condo and you got to remember this Mm -hmm. is 2002. Mm -hmm. The market in real estate was nothing but climbing. Mm -hmm. So I bought one for like Mm 150,000, like a year later, they weren't even built and they were selling for 175. I'm like, no wonder why everyone's in real estate. You Mm -hmm. just put some money in and every year they just like keep going up. Like this Mm -hmm. this is like the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, I got this whole thing figured out. Right. And then of course, you know, um, you know, the market obviously shifted in 2006, (laughs) just slightly. But the funny thing about this actually is, is, um, I, so I chose to rent that out and Mm -hmm. I actually got, I had, I had gotten a um, kind of a personal home loan, which in the association didn't want you renting it out more than a certain amount. Mm -hmm. They actually, um, realized that in 2000, early 2005, that I was renting it out and in the company, they're no longer in existence because they went away in the mortgage crisis Mm -hmm. in 2007, but they called the note on me. So I actually had to sell or pay off the mortgage by December 31st, 2005. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't have the cash to do it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we're forced to sell. And I was Mm -hmm. so, I remember being so frustrated Mm -hmm. because I was like, the market's just increasing. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take this out. So anyways, we sold it and we were the last sale in like mid-December, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember two things that happened that were important. One is I wrote out a real estate commission check Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, this is like the amount of money that I made like all year. Right. And it's going to somebody else. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. Like Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at sales. Maybe I can do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, also that was the highest unit that sold in there all the way till 2012. Wow. So sometimes, you know, life feels like it's kind of grabbing us, but the Mm -hmm. reality was it actually was a gift that we, Mm -hmm. that we, uh, Mm -hmm. sold that, um, and actually then taking the money and buying more real estate from there and actually Mm -hmm. allowed me to get into real estate for my life. Two more points and I'll pause and we can kind of go back on any of these mm-hmm. things kind of, kind of builds up to where I am. Um, I, uh, when I got out of college, I 
like many entrepreneurs, I went after it really hard. I bought mm-hmm. into this idea that success was about getting enough power, money, fame, leverage, mm-hmm. you know, authority, titles that you could so that ultimately, and this is how I've come le- to learn how to describe what people say of success, mm-hmm. is that you get all of those things so that you can control the people, places, and things around you. So the right, events right. unfold the way you want it to mm-hmm. so that your inner experience is the one that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't work. You're spending a ton of time doing that. So anyways, mm-hmm. I had financial goal of a half million dollars net income. Mm-hmm. When I was about 27 years old, anywhere between 26, 27, I hit this $500,000 mm-hmm. number. And I can remember uh, it was towards the end of the year and we were at a holiday party and I was sharing this with my mom, who's the most mm-hmm. unassuming person and she could care less about money. And I was like, Hey, you know, I made $500,000 this year. And she was like, Oh, that's great. Pass the ketchup. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I realized that like, she didn't care. And then right. I asked a deeper question. I was like, well, do I even care? Mm-hmm. And that's what really, to me, oriented myself into, well, what's the whole point of all that we're doing Mm -hmm. if this isn't working? This isn't turning me on like people said Mm -hmm. it was. In Mm -hmm. fact, I actually feel worse now because I feel like I accomplished the goal and it didn't like- And mom didn't care. Yeah, mom didn't care. And I thought somehow if I got $500,000, there's going to be like a fruit tree outside that was like filling me up with joy every day. That's exactly. (laughs) And that did not work. And so it really oriented my life um, to start looking at a different, uh, different inwardly. And that's kind of where we came up with the 200% life, hundred percent inner and hundred percent outer. Of course that didn't come until years later, but it actually, once I started making this more about, um, an infinite journey and kind mm-hmm. of business as a conduit for your personal growth, I just started building organizations, you know, and today we've got over a thousand people and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of built to different organizations in that 13 year period. But that's kind of, um, the, the genesis of, mm-hmm. of how I got in the business and, and kind of why we spend so much energy and time uh, in a fresh look at leadership in terms of making sure that the mm-hmm. the the man or woman or they are put together first before they go mm-hmm. out there and try to venture off into building anything. I love it. Yeah. And oh my gosh, so much right there. Just like you said, to, to, to start going through. I mean, it's amazing, first of all, that in high school, you had the presence of mind to say, this is not working. Um, you know, because obviously I think, especially in high school for, for, you know, young boys or young girls, peer pressure is incredible. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's kind of what we, our world revolves around now. And we'll come back to sports because I really want to talk about that because I think sports is, is something that is, is, you know, a phenomenal outlet, even though I'm as klutzy as can be. (laughs) Um, but you know, the, the fact that you did, you had that presence of mind and then in college, you weren't just coasting. I mean, you know, everybody raise your hands, you know, how how many of us just kind of coasted through college and then went, oh, now what are we going to do? You already had those plans made. And I think that is just incredible. You know, so why do you think that is? I mean, you know, had your parents encouraged this? You know, you said you weren't really into to reading books and things. Why do you think you you were like that? Well, uh, two things. One, you know, I think there was enough suffering and pain my entire life mm-hmm. that it led up to this point where right. I was like, I'd gotten to such a, you know, you've heard people say it before. I don't even call it a low point, but just such like, mm-hmm. I, I just took a, I took a step back from my life mm-hmm. and I just looked at it holistically and mm-hmm. I'm like, actually, you know what? There was an event that occurred. We were, again, I was hanging out with these kids that were just not good people. Mm-hmm. And there was a big fight that happened mm-hmm. and uh, the car got kicked in, windows got smashed. Mm-hmm. There was bats involved. Like it, people got beat up pretty Yikes. bad. Mm-hmm. It was a really bad um, mm-hmm. experience. And then that, after that moment, I went home and it was like two weeks later that I was like, dude, I'm not doing this anymore. Like right. what, what are people could have died. Yeah. It was just, it was like, I was like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I, the whole time, and I think people kind of know this the whole time I knew I, I, this wasn't what I was, that I wanted to be doing, but mm-hmm. like, I was, like you said, like you were just kind of caught in this peer pressure and I was mm-hmm. like, it was there. I also think that the reason why I kind of started um, focusing pretty heavily in high school and the college is because I actually got it out of my system. <laughs> I mm-hmm. like, you sowed your wild oats, like, I was right? Honestly, I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't, I, I've been there, done that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm kind of through with that. And mm-hmm. why and the speed at which I went through there, I don't, I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I just, that just didn't excite me anymore. And it's not like mm-hmm. I was perfect in high school or college from mm-hmm. there on out. You still like, had an adult yeah, beverage ex- or two. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, but you know, kind of the, that part of, of me kind of seemed to have, mm-hmm. of 
kind of checked the box, if you will. Mm-hmm. Though it's funny that you say that because I I remember some of my friends who their parents were so strict mm-hmm. that they didn't do anything in high school and like they right. were, were trying to protect them so uh-huh. much. At the minute they got the call, oh college, yeah, it, just, mm-hmm. it was just like it was mm-hmm. like a zoo. They had freedom, mm-hmm. and my parents were going through a divorce, and they were amazing parents, but mm-hmm. like they were having their own struggles mm-hmm. during like that period of time. And they, so they, I just had a lot of freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of did my thing and I felt, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I've kind of checked this box and now I want to go build something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. that's really what it is. And so I knew at that point that, um, I wanted to, I wanted to prove to, well, you know, at the time it was very egoic. I mm-hmm. wanted to prove to the world. I wanted to prove to my parents. I wanted to prove mm-hmm. to myself because, you know, your entire life up until like middle, you know, freshman, sophomore year mm-hmm. in high school, I hadn't proved anything. In fact, right. I was always the opposite. So mm-hmm. now I was like, this is my turn. Like, mm-hmm. I want to go out there and do something. Mm-hmm. I actually think, and we're going to, we can talk about sports later, but I ended mm-hmm. up becoming captain of my football team. And that wow. also, mm-hmm. we won the state championship. So that mm-hmm. really, and that's not something special. We live in Vermont. So there's more cows than people. So it's not like <laughs> a big championship. Not that we're Texas in, or, yeah, or exactly. Georgia. That's exactly <laughs> right. And so like, let's, let's I actually remember thinking at some point, I was like, I think I'm going to play in the NFL. And like, I just remember that as like a junior going into senior year, I was like, this is going to be amazing. And we're going to, I'm going to play in the NFL. And I remember playing in like a, like a new, like a new England championship game that they Mm -hmm. have for like all stars of the States. And I remember playing, I played middle linebacker and I tried to tackle this guy the first play and instantaneously, I was like, I'm not going to the NFL. He just kind of flicked you off, right? In fact, like, I'm not, I'm not even really going to play in college. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I could have like played at some D3 or D4 schools, but I wanted to focus more on finance. Mm-hmm. And actually at the time, I thought for sure mm-hmm. I was going to be on Wall Street, surprisingly yeah. enough. So I actually worked down there for a little while and um, big into finance. But then mm-hmm. at the time, um, I was really unemployable. It was mm-hmm. no, it was, there was not any, it, it's just anybody putting a box on my thinking or my mm-hmm. limiting um, of what I can do in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mainly because the first, uh, you know, 15, 16 years of my life, I, I can't, I, 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 I'm just unemployable. And mm-hmm. so I left you know, a, a really good job um, in, in late 2005, early 2006 mm-hmm. to go into real estate, which was the worst market that at the time that had seen in, you know, a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And people thought I was crazy. They thought mm-hmm. I was crazy. And I just put my head down and did mm-hmm. what was required and, um, and, and just didn't stop. Right. And you got out of finance at a good time. <laughs> you know, it's, I have buddies that were in there and they, mm-hmm. they, ass for mm-hmm. four years, five right. years, and all of a sudden, and like, boom, it's mm-hmm. gone. Right. All their, right. you know, not all their work's gone, mm-hmm. but like, you know, if they're promised certain mm-hmm. positions, they were just right. eliminated and mm-hmm. they all went and did different mm-hmm. things. And actually one of my friends, I haven't spoken to them for a while. He, I remember he was really high up at a company there and they just mm-hmm. went, went away, but he, at the, it worked really well for him because he went and became like the mm-hmm. 80th employee at Amazon. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's still there today, and he and he's he's actually the smartest kid intellectually that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's got one of those friends, that right? Like, mm-hmm. Take like a bong hit and go take like mm-hmm. literally like and go yeah. and take the hardest finance exam you've uh-huh. ever seen in the school. And oh yeah, be, I'd be like, what the hell is wrong? Yeah, never studied, never. Yeah, and you know, and oh yeah, people like that. The, I mean, the truly, you know, it's it, it's 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 a gift to them. And in many cases, of course, what we see is. Then they have major issues, um, yeah, you know, he, and, he and does have major issues. yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's incredible, but you know, the the other thing that that struck me and and reading your book, um, and it was funny because you talk about you know the five hundred thousand dollars with your mom, yeah. and I love that in the in the book you talked about the fact that you know not only did you tell your mom that you made five hundred thousand dollars, you said it loud enough so yes. that everybody else could hear, exactly and right. everybody was like, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's, that is kind of one of the things, you know, we, we all start fairly young with defining what success is. And then we keep on that, that hamster wheel trying to get to it. Um, I've shared this on the, on the program before that when you know, long ago, when I had my 10th high school reunion, now I went to, you know, I, you know, I went to a very small high school. We had 32 32 in my graduating class. Um, and so I understand small schools, right? Um, but, you know, we were organizing the, the class reunion. And, you know, as you do at class reunions, you give out awards. Um, and one of the people who was organizing it said, well, we have to give out who's who's the most successful. And I looked at her and I said, and how is it that you're defining that? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, and, and she, of course, there was one thing, money. 
And, yeah. and, and, you know, that was, that was, and for, and then I remember asking her and how do you know how much people make? I mean, that was the, the yeah. thing, but I told her, I said, you know, I know how much some of my classmates make. And I also know how unhappy they are. And I said, and to me, the person who I think is the most successful is one of our classmates who has four kids, you know, never went to college, but is, you know, raising those four kids yeah. and having a great time. And, and so of course, obviously we did not give out that award, yeah. but it is something that we do kind of keep aiming for. And, and you talk about this in your book is that, you know, we set those, especially monetary goals and it's not just monetary. It's what are we going to buy with the money? Um, and then we're not happy, you know, because we get that Porsche. Well, then we want the Tesla. Well, then we want the, you know, and I'm not a car person, so I, I about run out of, you know, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. you know, all of those, you know, things that are bigger and better. Yeah. We want, you know, the, the, the house on the hill, then we want the mansion then all of those things. And, and it just doesn't make us happy. Um, you know, and, and so that's where you came up with the 200% life. And you you talk a lot, you know. So so okay. First of all, define what the two hundred percent is. You you mentioned it, but give us a little bit more information on that. Yeah, and I love where you're going with the question. We can jump in that after the two hundred percent life for me was just a model that I started teaching. We didn't call mm-hmm. it that in 2011 and 12. I remember I had about 500 people in a room, and I just stopped one day, like halfway through the presentation. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Does anybody else have that voice inside your head?" You know, and like, and like gingerly, like one or two people raised their mm-hmm. hand and all of a sudden, like everyone else started raising their hand and we, yeah. mm-hmm. I ended up just talking about the experiences and what I was doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it was a resound, resounding, like a lot of people wanted to understand this conversation because mm-hmm. it's, you know, the inner world's very etheric. It's not mm-hmm. the physical world. So right. it's not like you can see it. It's not a plan. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, a wind can blow and you can be in mm-hmm. one mood to the next instantaneously. So the hundred percent inner world, um, and the way this, the 200% life is described is that most people spend hundred 99% of their life in the outer world, right? right. And they try to make the outer world, their inner world. Mm-hmm. The reality is the hundred percent inner world. You have a voice that's in your head, right? Mm-hmm. You can, it can say hello right now. You can make it think of an apple. Everyone mm-hmm. can do that. Right. You also have emotions if you haven't mm-hmm. noticed. Right. And they are, <laughs> big brother, little sister with the mind and the emotions, mm-hmm. right? So they have these emotions and you have your, um, and you have your spiritual heart. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, your, first of all, like one of the most important things to remember is that you are not the voice inside your head. You are right. the one that's experiencing the voice inside your head. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the first awareness of that. Mm-hmm. You also not your emotions. They come and go. Every mm-hmm. emotion you've ever experienced has come and probably come back mm-hmm. and gone and come back in mm-hmm. all different ways. Mm-hmm. The other funny thing too, is like, you know, we're all psychologists in our own way. Like mm-hmm. if I ask somebody like, tell me the difference between, you know, can you feel experience the difference between frustration and irritation? They go, yes. Uh, what about jealousy? Yes. So great. You're in there experiencing this subtle change mm-hmm. of how you, this inner experience right. is, and you can label it because you're in there experiencing mm-hmm. it yourself, which is such a gift in the spiritual heart. It's not your physical heart, right? It's like mm-hmm. if something, you know, really bad happens or whatever mm-hmm. that is, like you can feel your heart drop. It's not mm-hmm. like your physical heart drops, right? right? It's mm-hmm. cut the energy off to it, mm-hmm. but the spiritual heart also gives life depth. And can you imagine what life would be like if you didn't have the depth of your heart mm-hmm. to feel the lowest lows or mm-hmm. feel the highest right. highs and everything in between? Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the hundred percent inner world. That's your mm-hmm. primary responsibility first, because mm-hmm. really what people are doing is they're using the outer world to try to get their inner world to the experience that right. they want. Which Buy the more, world, get more, do more. Yeah, exactly. Better. So mm-hmm. the outer world is, you know, people, places, and things, right? And people try to manipulate. Those are the roles that we play, mm-hmm. the, the identities that we attach ourselves to, mm-hmm. the things that we need to have, you know, uh, the goods that we are, the mm-hmm. uh, the awards that we want to get, the names and hospitals that we want to have, whatever. There's nothing wrong with any of that, mm-hmm. but that can't be your primary use to turn yourself on. So mm-hmm. what we typically do and what we're, we're sold is that if you go get that house, I'm going to go get it and I'm going to feel great. And Mm -hmm. by the way, what we end up doing with thinking is that we create a mini reel inside our heads about Mm -hmm. future event that's going to occur and we, how our inner experience responds to it. Mm -hmm. It responds in a good way. And we can explain how, why this all happens. If we respond in a good way, we go after that decision. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't feel good, we go, we don't go after the decision for again. If money didn't turn you on, people wouldn't go after it. There's right. plenty of cultures where money does not turn people on mm-hmm. and they actually move away from it. Not in the United mm-hmm. States necessarily, but in Eastern um, countries, mm-hmm. in, in religions, there are 
there are uh, places that literally they, they just renounce money. Like that's mm-hmm. just what the thing is. And so it's never about renouncing wealth or money or mm-hmm. fame or any of those things. It's just that you don't use that as a way to try to keep making your right. inner experience better. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized this early, you know, in my, um, my twenties, I was like, it just doesn't work. It's not mm-hmm. wrong. This doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Every time I get something, it turns me on for a few minutes. And then instantaneously I'm on to trying to get something else. Mm-hmm. It's like, Every luxury item that you've ever wanted, once you got it, is no longer a luxury item. And then it just right. becomes so it's it's just all of these things that just keep showing up. And so what you do is if you go and do the inner work first, mm-hmm. then everything that you do in the outer world just becomes more playful. It doesn't mean right. it goes the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. It just becomes more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's part of it is people are taking themselves way too serious in life mm-hmm. for something you're going to be here for such a quick period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the essence of the 200% life. Right. You know, and and you're not saying that we shouldn't want those things. You know, it, it's still okay to say, I want a nice car. Oh, um, yes. You know, I want to be able to go on great vacations. I want to be able to buy things for my family and friends. That's okay. But it, it has to kind of match what your your inner soul is saying, your inner heart. Well, you know what it really is? It's like, you can say like, why do you want the car? So, or the vacations, Mm because if you go, I want the car so that I can turn me on Mm -hmm. because that, so other people can see it, Mm -hmm. so that I get this inner experience. It's not going to last. It's, you know, macroeconomics has one of the most powerful spiritual terms It's called the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And every time you experience something more, it loses its value. The luster is gone more quickly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you want the car because you love the car and it's mm-hmm. there, not trying to post it on social mm-hmm. media or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So the world, you don't need people to approve you for mm-hmm. more. They enjoy the car way more, or mm-hmm. you enjoy the vacation way more. Mm-hmm. So it's never about not, not, you know, enjoying the fruits of things that are out there. It's just not enjoying them to try to get you to be turned right. on inside constantly because mm-hmm. that never works. Mm-hmm. And that's where people fall short is like mm-hmm. they just, that's why they have to, this insatiable appetite for mm-hmm. wanting more and more things. Mm-hmm. And that could be people listening and say, well, I don't want things. They could say, well, it's titles. And then if it's not mm-hmm. titles, then it's, right. I want to be known as a better parent. Mm-hmm. If it's not being a parent, it's like, I want to be known in my community mm-hmm. for something that I do. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you, it can, it can change shape to what it is, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's, it's spirituality is never changing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's about changing the part of you that is interacting with what you're doing mm-hmm. so that you can freely interact with it and enjoy whether it becomes a challenge mm-hmm. or enjoy whether it becomes a fruit. It's just right. a wonderful way to live your mm-hmm. life. Right. You know, it's it's interesting. I'm here in Atlanta, um, and a week or so ago, we had the the services for Rosalind Carter. Now, when Jimmy Carter was president, I was in high school. Okay, so everybody can now figure out how old I am. Um, but um, you know, and and so you know, and 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 obviously, living here in Atlanta, you you know, you you kind of know a bit about what's going on with the Carters and the Habitat for Humanity homes and and all of those things. But one of the the comments that was that somebody made was, "Look at what he did after he was president. Yeah, moved back to Plains. I think the population is like six seven hundred to the house that they'd always lived in, and every other president, you know, m- many cases before and after." Went to the big mansions. Went to did all. Went to to you know all of these large things, and. You know, and 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 made the the huge speaker fees. You know, all of those. Now that's you know, again, you know, was that important to them? We don't know. But you know, he and and you know, the the thing that they obviously kept talking a lot about with both of the Carters was that they lived the servant life, mm-hmm. and to them, that was what fed their soul. Now, to you know, somebody else, like you said, it could be that you know, the big apartments and. And you know the the you know multi million dollar speaking fees that feeds their soul, but it, you know it was just I was struck a lot with what they said about the Carters you know in, in the last couple of weeks because they did you know they 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 had that hundred percent they knew what that was you know and and they followed that and they followed that to every single thing they did. Yeah, it's uh they're remarkable human beings, and it's never again it's never about what you're doing it's just mm-hmm. the the why are you, what's the intention right. behind mm-hmm. what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And, and again, most people's intention is that they're somehow going to, it's just mm-hmm. an indirect way of trying to get it. Remember right. anything anybody ever does outside mm-hmm. is trying to get their inner experience the way they want it. Right. 
That's why, but if you go and you work on your inner experience mm-hmm. first and you don't need the outside to be mm-hmm. a certain way, you're free to live your life. Mm-hmm. And you are, again, you are free. Like they, there was a, an interesting study that came out that talked about how uh, they studied, I don't know, thousands of individuals that were musicians mm-hmm. trying to make a living that way. And they mm-hmm. were measuring their, their kind of joy or their happiness. And it was very little, little, mm-hmm. little, because they were just trying to make it an effort to do this. Mm-hmm. Then they went to a couple different communities where people were doing and, and singing for mm-hmm. free and playing their music and their gifts for their, mm-hmm. and the amount of joy they had. Right. And time that they just dedicated to it was, mm-hmm. was, was a lot, mm-hmm. but they just had so much more free expression, whether it's mm-hmm. a community, it was a church, it was a religion, mm-hmm. or whether it's singing with your friends or you're, you're creating your own little mm-hmm. band and you're doing it and trying to give your CDs away. They measured that. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, the majority of, you know, it's like we, we struggle so mm-hmm. much to try to turn that instead mm-hmm. of just allowing ourselves to just, um, you know, express ourselves in that wonderful way. Right. Yes. It's kind of like, you know, Simon Sinek says, we have to know what our why is. Um, you know, and, and, and why are we doing what it is that, that we're doing? Uh, you know, and, and obviously I talk on the program a lot about leadership mm-hmm. and what I love about what you talk about is when you do this for yourself, it is going to make you a better leader. And because you're going to encourage everybody that works with you, you, you know, thousand employees, you know, to, to be doing this themselves. So talk a little bit more about that. How does this move throughout your business? Because it's, you know, sometimes people think, well, it's one or the other and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump into leadership. You know, one, it's one of the reasons why we had the subtitle of the book, you know, spiritual growth and business success without meditating on a mountaintop. Yeah. I had a concept mm-hmm. that if I wanted to go, you know, work, I just, you call it personal growth or spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. words, just working on your inner experience right. that I somehow had to like live in the Himalayans, like mm-hmm. reciting haikus next to a fire sitting Indian style. And mm-hmm. it's not even comfortable to sit that way. Like, I so know. I was like, I don't even like, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why, um, I, 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 it's not about that. It's actually, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that Eckhart Tolle says all the time where, He's like, the number one question I get is why are you in Starbucks and mm-hmm. people, cause he drinks Starbucks every day and, mm-hmm. and they're like, you are a spiritual person and a teacher. You shouldn't be in Starbucks and you're spending you know, $9 for a cup of coffee. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I like Starbucks. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's nothing about how somebody's necessarily showing mm-hmm. up. It's about their state of which they are mm-hmm. to me, leadership, look, leadership, people think about leadership in an abstract way. Mm-hmm. I believe leadership is a verb. It's an, it's an action oriented mm-hmm. item. Leadership is about getting others to take a, a new action that benefits them in the organization, assuming mm-hmm. we're talking about a business context. Right. Mm-hmm. Self-leadership always precedes leadership. Now, mm-hmm. leaderships, leadership's work product are decisions. That's mm-hmm. what you do, right? If you're a leader, what, what your work product actually is, mm-hmm. is making higher quality decisions than mm-hmm. the next company. To me, organizations that make better quality decisions mm-hmm. from every level of leadership every single day are the mm-hmm. ones that don't become marginally successful, but become extraordinarily successful mm-hmm. because of their decision-making abilities. Right. So then I just work backwards from there and saying, well, if that's my work product, mm-hmm. then how do I put myself in a situation so I'm making the highest quality decisions? And mm-hmm. I think anybody would agree that if you are um, feeling extraordinarily high or feeling extraordinarily low, you make um, a decision based on that part of what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like if you get an email, which probably people have today, if they're listening, you know, they're listening to this, that they just see the sender sending the email and all of a sudden they're disturbed, right? They see, right. The email they just see the name and they're like, and they're just boom. And they're mm-hmm. instantly disturbed. Now they're angry or mm-hmm. irritated or frustrated or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so now all of a sudden you start replying back Mm -hmm. to this individual and you may have worked on yourself and maybe you erased one Mm -hmm. sentence that you took out of there, but the next day you come back and you read it and you're more clear and you're centered and you're not responding. And you're like, oh, oops. Yeah. And you go, why did I send that? Why would I do that? Well, it's because you're responding. It's not about what you're doing. It's the part of you that's doing it. So you're responding from that level of, of kind of emotion that you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. actually expressing the emotion instead Mm -hmm. of just feeling the emotion and then letting it pass and then acting. Mm -hmm. So we teach something in our organization called relax, release and act. And what that really is, is, but when the, in it, the minute you feel like the force is disturbed or Mm -hmm. Look, it's, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, you're in there fine. The next thing you know, you're not okay. Right. right. You're pissed, frustrated. Mm-hmm. Something it's, and like, it's a negative, not a yeah. positive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, even, well, honestly, even on the positive side, 
I saw a lot of organizations in 2022 make decisions because they thought money was going to continue to come in forever. Mm -hmm. And so they made poor decisions because they were so high on things Mm -hmm. that again, either way, they were making decision based on an external Mm -hmm. event that was causing a disturbance in them one way or another, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of being centered and clear. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now they're trying to reel back from these decisions that they Mm -hmm. made because now their companies in financial situations Mm -hmm. that are not necessarily a positive one. So you, um, so once you, once you release, so the, the R, R and A, which is first, I relax. The mm-hmm. first thing that I do when I'm disturbed, the first thing that you do is just breathe, breathe breath, three, two, one, <laughs> relax. Sometimes we mm-hmm. teach like drop your shoulders, mm-hmm. just relax. Mm-hmm. The second thing is now release the energy. So it's no, so you're not storing it and it's no mm-hmm. longer allowing you mm-hmm. remember if you're if you're touching anger everything you say or do is going to be some level of anger with it right mm-hmm. so if you release and by the way it's very painful to release it's mm-hmm. this, this is the real personal growth work is when something disturbs you you sit there and you allow it to work its way through you mm-hmm. and as it works its way through you and any there's plenty of techniques that mm-hmm. are out there but you work its way through you now you're back to a centered state and mm-hmm. then you act Right. Then you make the decision. Mm-hmm. Then you deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the word surrender is thrown around out there. Surrender is not passivity at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, to me, I th- actually think you become a major fierce business competitor the mm-hmm. minute you can deploy something like this because you're no longer making decisions out of anything other than what's best for the organization. Right. For mm-hmm. your people and for the situation at hand. Most people are making a decision that's trying to get this inner state to feel better. Mm-hmm. And so it's a personal or egoic decision. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that bravado as an ego standpoint, it just means I'm not feeling okay. And the way I'm going to feel better is if I respond this way mm-hmm. or that you do this for me, right? Right. Instead I'm going to make it, you do it. Yes. Or whatever it is, right? You know, most people walk into a meeting you know, they may listen to everybody, but really they already have an agenda. They already mm-hmm. know what they want to say yeah. or they're hurt if their feelings aren't there versus mm-hmm. like, if you just go in there and you're just looking for the best solutions, you become open mm-hmm. to people. You become curious right. about people's thoughts. And that's how organizations collectively come to better to make better decisions mm-hmm. as a whole, which then transforms your organization. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and I love that, that you say that we have to actually acknowledge those emotions. Um, because I think that's one of the other things is we think, well, I shouldn't be angry about this, or I shouldn't be hurt about it, or, you know, oh, I shouldn't feel good that we made this record-setting profit. Yes. You know, no, we, we need to feel those emotions and acknowledge them. And as you said, then let them pass through us. Yeah. That you're, that's a beautiful way of saying that. I mean, that's exactly right. It's, it's never about not pretending that you don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden you're sitting, I'll give you an example the other day. I was sitting there mm-hmm. and like my wife was eating a chip and it was just irritating me just from her eating a <laughs> oh, chip. Oh, I see. I don't like the and, noise either. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's a crunch. And I'm like, how can somebody eat a chip so loud? Right. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this has nothing to do with her. We're both reading a book. Like she's just, she's doing her thing. And I'm like, now I'm irritated. I'm like, I just, I stood up and I was like, I have to leave the room because I'm being irritated mm-hmm. by the fact by that a you, chip. <laughs> but like, and I know how ridiculous that is, but my wife gets me at this point. Cause I just, Oh yeah. See, and that's me too. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. How can, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I leave and I come back and she's like, you good. I'm like a good, like, but that's mm-hmm. the point. Cause that way you, you can use a relationship mm-hmm. to work on each other, but it's right. again, so you can, it's not like I wanted that to come in. I just started experiencing this right. irritation and mm-hmm. instead of responding from it mm-hmm. and yelling at her for something mm-hmm. like, can you chew a little less? And like, mm-hmm. that's just polluting the world now. Right. And mm-hmm. so you, if you can release that, and again, mm-hmm. whatever technique you have to do, you have mm-hmm. to go run, pushups, meditate, mm-hmm. listen to music, like, you know, whatever, there's a thousand mm-hmm. different ways you can, you can help release mm-hmm. that energy so that mm-hmm. then it passes. Mm-hmm. Remember, think about you being like a sojourner in life. Mm-hmm. A sojourner is, is like the quality of the mist of themselves just mm-hmm. moving through. Just like a cl- like the sky allows the, the clouds to come in and mm-hmm. then it allows the sun to hit and then it mm-hmm. allows lightning bolts and it allows rain and it allows snow, mm-hmm. but the, the sky itself stays centered. Mm-hmm. And that's the same. You are in there experiencing right. all the different type mm-hmm. of emotions. You're experiencing your spiritual heart. You're mm-hmm. experiencing the voice talk forever and try to get you to take action on it. Mm-hmm. It's not you. It's just things that are happening that right. are objects of consciousness that are triggering these things. Mm-hmm. And so then you release and you just become centered mm-hmm. so that you can actually look at the situation. Here's the other thing on leadership, right? If you're a leader and you, and it's again, I, I, to me, the 200% life spirituality, personal growth is just about handling reality. 
Mm-hmm. That's like the simplest way mm-hmm. I can say it, just handling reality. Because if you're a doctor and you can't handle the sight of blood, you're no good in the situation. But you're not going to be a doctor for very long, right? No. Or you're going to have to change you know, practice. Whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Or, you know, if you are a leader and you can't handle a lawsuit or you can't handle an employee, an employee leaving, or you can't handle somebody talking negatively about Mm -hmm. you, then you're not going to be an effective leader. If you're a parent and you can't handle your kids Mm -hmm. screaming at a grocery store, you're no good at the situation. Mm -hmm. So the the growth that happens Mm -hmm. is that as, as you can relax and release, you're actually able to handle the situation in a Mm -hmm. much more positive way that then again, it doesn't mean it's the way you Mm -hmm. want it. It doesn't mean life's going to go the way it is. It doesn't, not going to be triggered by things. Mm -hmm. It just means I can stop. I can pause. Mm -hmm. I can relax. And then I can handle. That's why Mm -hmm. I always say relax, release and act. Mm -hmm. And then the acting has to come after you've relaxed and released. Mm -hmm. You're actually able to make the higher, better decisions in any aspect of your life. Right. Well, and sometimes the acting is actually to do nothing. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, time it is. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, I'm not going to send that email. Yeah. I'm not going to go, you know, kick the dog, you know, exactly right. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to buy that really fancy car. I mean, you know, exactly. we're, we're choosing the not option. It's kind of like, you know, in my leadership groups, one of the things we talk about is, you know, um, no is a full sentence, you know, Hey, Adam, I really, really, really think you'd be great working on this project. And you can say no and not give any explanation. I mean, and that's the other thing is we always want no, but yeah, uh, no, you know, no is the full sentence. And we don't owe anybody the rest of the, the you know, as long as it's, it's true to ourselves. Yes, that's, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah, you don't. And, and the, part of the gift of when you bring this in there is you just start being a blessing for other people. I know it's kind mm-hmm. of a, it, it, whether you're in leadership, because look, what's the point of building a business right. if you're not using it as a way to produce a, a good mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. the environment, a good for the the world, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, you're helping people mm-hmm. do the deeper work. That's mm-hmm. why I always say business is a conduit for your personal mm-hmm. growth. And that's how I've always approached it is because right. nobody would sign up for lawsuits or nobody mm-hmm. would sign up for right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, like a coup in your company or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing, all the things that happen, by the way, mm-hmm. in an organization when you're mm-hmm. building things and they become challenges, but mm-hmm. just look at them as if, you know, you're, you're just here experiencing this for, mm-hmm. look, I mean, we're all going to die in a very short mm-hmm. period of time, right? We're just are. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can recognize that the little, the less we just take our, like each moment. So seriously mm-hmm. yesterday, um, you know, I, uh, I was teaching this course, uh, called quantum leap. It's one mm-hmm. of my teach it once a year. It's I love giving back. It's all about quantum is, is actually a small yet explosive, significant change. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how, you know, we think about things is like in your life, how do you make these small, but major changes in mm-hmm. your life? For instance, right. If all of a sudden you get up half an hour earlier and you start to exercise or you meditate or you mm-hmm. journal or you prayer, or you're reading your Bible or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing, that works on you, mm-hmm. that allows you to be able to go out there and contribute more. It's a small shift in your mm-hmm. day, but have massive impact on everything else right. that you do throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, it could be, you know, not doing something. You know, you made that decision when you were a freshman in high school to say, I'm not going to be with those people anymore. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. You know, and 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 you mentioned, I mean, they threatened you. They, you know, yeah. it would because it made them. It, it reflected badly on them that that you wanted to leave. You know, it's it's and um, but yeah, and then to actually have the courage to go ahead and say, "Yeah, I'm not doing it." Yeah, yeah. The path becomes very undisguised mm-hmm. once you once you pause mm-hmm. and reflect, right? And that's part of you know. I don't think there's a leader out there that wouldn't want more clarity in their life mm-hmm. to help make better decisions mm-hmm. in their life. And so again, the I believe the most important work that a leader can mm-hmm. do is on themselves mm-hmm. to make better decisions on behalf of mm-hmm. the organization. Right. And, and that's, that's the, the, the root of the work. Mm-hmm. Sure. Then there's individual tactics and how to write up a GPS or a one, three, five or an annual plan or mm-hmm. how to work through budget, but just everything becomes, and I wouldn't say uh, easier. It just mm-hmm. becomes lighter. It becomes mm-hmm. clearer. Just like if you were to show up at an airport that you have no idea what what city you're in, you're trying mm-hmm. to find the hotel without your phone and mm-hmm. you're driving, like think how much stress that would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the beauty about when you when you're actually able to be calm and clear mm-hmm. vision, which is the most mm-hmm. important thing and or I think a leader can do in, mm-hmm. in terms of like their work product and decisions, there's three other things a leader needs to do every day, right? Is it's vision, mm-hmm. where is the organization going? Right. 
and make sure that all of your leaders know the vision. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's making sure that your people have clarity, right? Mm -hmm. On in terms of what they need to do, mm -hmm. which is also helps in decisions. And then three, it's understanding what are your key metrics that you need to look at every single day. Mm -hmm. And that can be a range of like one to four metrics that an, or, that an organization needs to measure. And mm -hmm. that needs to be the key focus that everybody mm -hmm. in the organization understands what those numbers mm -hmm. look like and what they do. Right. And more than that, and it gets confusing. You know, I think yeah. that's the other thing is we, you know, we have people who say, well, you're going to do these 100 things today. <laughs> and what that does is, you know, or 10, right? You're going, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know? But if, we, if you've got just that small number, Sure. You know, it's just like, you know, when, when we're at home and we're going, I need to do this, this, and this, right? You know, clean the toilet, vacuum, make the beds. If my list had 20 things on it, what I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch TV <laughs> you know, <laughs> because exactly. my brain goes, no, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, and, and so I love this. You know, and, and the other thing we talk about a lot on the, the program is the fact that leaders aren't necessarily those people with those titles. Um, you know, and, and it, it, what you really want in a lot of organizations is for everybody in some way to be a leader, um, you know, and, and which I think that's threatening to a lot of people because, the, you know, leader and title for them is tied together. Um, but yeah, you want the, the people to, to, to be able to say, Hey, Adam, have you thought about this? Or even just to take the initiative, you know, you've empowered them enough that they can do things. To me, that you know, the, the, that's what you know. Leadership can come in so many different variations. Yeah, well, you know, certainly titles help from like a managerial, right. and, and we're never getting rid of org charts. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like from a reporting standpoint, because you know, you want to make sure that each leader has like three or five mm -hmm. direct reports, and anything right. more than that, mm -hmm. it's hard to pour into them. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. I mean, look, everybody is a leader at some level. Mm -hmm. So at some meeting, most people are no longer mm -hmm. leaders. So they may be leading the vision, but then all of a sudden they mm -hmm. get in with the the CEO and know mm -hmm. they're a leader, but they're mm -hmm. now being led by somebody mm -hmm. else. If the right. CEO is there, they may be being led by a board, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. you know, there's the board maybe being led by, you know, a, a group of mm -hmm. uh, investors, right? So like there's, there's always, you're always leading something. The other thing is mm -hmm. if you're, if you're an employee, you, you may be leading your family, you're right. leading a client, mm -hmm. you're leading the organization to something. Mm -hmm. Every leadership is everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And there's leadership titles, but mm -hmm. leadership is prevalent throughout, should be prevalent for mm -hmm. the whole organization. Right. Now, there's a mechanical nature to leading others versus leadership. Mm -hmm. Leading others, because I there are a lot of people in our organization that love being individual contributors, and mm -hmm. they don't actually want to lead people, mm -hmm. but they are leaders, if that mm -hmm. makes a distinction right. for people. That's why we use the word individual contributors mm -hmm. who don't want to go down a leadership path, mm -hmm. but they have an individual contributor path where they can go out there and achieve growth because mm -hmm. people in organizations think that if I'm not, if I'm not going to want to be a leader, then how do I advance my career? How do mm -hmm. I make more money? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, being a leader and leading other people are two different things. Mm -hmm. They're, again, you have to, you have to first have self-leadership. Mm -hmm. So, and that always precedes leadership. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you're running a company, you may, you may try to identify who are your individual contributors, but then how do you mm -hmm. work with them on being self-leadership, mm -hmm. which then shows up to doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I use this example yesterday. It's like a, a leader, being a leader can mean that you hold the door open for somebody at a gas station mm -hmm. because you've changed their, their day. Right. Like stops trying to mm -hmm. think that leadership mm -hmm. is some corner office that has to have a seven figure mm -hmm. salary attached to it. No, you're a leader every single moment that you mm -hmm. put a smile on your face to help lead somebody to a mm -hmm. different path. Right. You know, and, and let's be honest, we do in many cases need that ultimate authority person because well, decisions need made. Um, well, that's you know, it, it can't be because if we're if we're doing the consensus thing, you might never reach a consensus. And, you know, and, and I mean, you know, there is something to that, that, you know, the buck stops here statement. You know, at some point, somebody has to say yes, no, whatever. Um, but but yeah, you can get all this input from from others and and i you know it's it, it, i think the thing that people need to remember is it's not diminishing yourself to have other people have this and and i think that's that's the thing yeah two things you know the majority of decisions that i get to make today are mm -hmm. worse and worser 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, so like any other decision that comes in there, mm-hmm. my leadership team will will handle because they're easier decisions. The decisions right. that actually come to the owner or CEO yeah. or- They're the ones you don't really like. They're the ones that nobody wants to touch, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they have massive impacts on what right. they are. Mm-hmm. And there has to be somebody to making mm-hmm. those decisions. You're absolutely spot on for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I had another, another point on the- um, so th- there's their big decision. What was the other thing that you said though? You said something on about um, you you struck a good chord and it was important. the buck stops here. You know we yeah, yeah. I don't know we just were I was rambling. <laughs> no, I know it was good. It was uh, for making decisions on there, but there was a, anyways. It'll come I mean, back to we me can't do second. consensus. You know it's yeah, oh yeah 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 yeah. I mean it's um there's one thing to like to hear consensus, but again somebody's got to mm-hmm. make this. There's there's another mm-hmm. point. It'll come to me and it's gonna be perfect. Right. So you, oh yeah, it, it'll come back exactly. Well, you know, we've we've only got about 10 minutes left. And so I want to talk about something that that you have have done that I think is is phenomenal. And and you know, you you mentioned it just in one sentence, and then of course I had to go look it up real quick. The Hergenrother Foundation. Um, you know, and 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 a little bit about sports and and stuff. Um, you know, sports, like I said, I'm a klutz. Now I my parents firmly believed I should be in sports, I should learn teamwork. I did a lot of bench sitting, right? Or falling down or, you know, all those various things. But it did teach me teamwork and things. Um, and I'm a big college sports fan. I'm, you know, my my alma mater is the University of Colorado. And we have a, a fancy new shiny football coach, right? Um, and one of the things that has impressed me with Deion Sanders is, you know, he is, his his entire philosophy about building young men yeah, it's great to win football games, but that's not why we're here. Um, you know, and and which, you know, donors don't always like to hear things like that. They, you know, we're not bowl eligible, boo. Um, but we haven't been for a while, so it's not like things have changed. But it really is about building those foundations in our youth and going forward. And so tell us more about the the Hergenrother Foundation. Yeah, you know, I I would just hate to have individual kids not play sports because they can't afford a glove or they can't afford the cleats Mm -hmm, or a backpack mm -hmm. or they feel embarrassed about not showing up with the right apparel or Mm -hmm. lacrosse gear. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really it's really important for us to be able to provide to that. We're actually building an turf facility for our area so that people can come in there and and Mm -hmm. we. Vermont, obviously it's winter a lot, so we can actually utilize. Yeah, you got to have an indoor facility. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I love and I love coaching. Uh, you know, I coach for all three of my kids, and different. Mm-hmm. I coach soccer, or lacrosse. I help out ski racing, mm-hmm. like anything that we in soccer. I already mm-hmm. said that, but like anything that we're doing that's out there, I try to be engaged mm-hmm. with them. And you're right, winning is wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. you go into sports, and there's obviously a clear winner and a loser, and mm-hmm. you understand that. Business, mm-hmm. though, everyone can we we use this this kind of ethos, which is win win or no deal, mm-hmm. because in business there doesn't have to be a loser. Right. And I think that's the big mm-hmm. difference in sports and businesses. In sports, there is a winner and a loser, and mm-hmm. everyone understands those rules. Mm-hmm. In business, it should be win win. Nobody needs to right. lose on a transaction mm-hmm. ever, or a client or an employee relationship mm-hmm. with nobody needs to nobody needs to lose. So it's all about mm-hmm. win win or no deal. And that's kind of mm-hmm. one of our ethos. But going back to sports, I mean, it gave me such um tremendous kind of um confidence in my life mm-hmm. to grab things that you can see as you know, my kids are 11, 9, and 7, and I've been coaching them for years. So mm-hmm. watching these kids grow mm-hmm. into young men, young women, who are they are, and 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 seeing how they develop their mm-hmm. skills in their physical bodies get built mm-hmm. out and also dealing with the drama that happens from mm-hmm. there or the challenges that right. happen. You just get to, you get to basically, here's life, mm-hmm. here's scenes, they happen and you get to work through them exactly mm-hmm. kind of what Deion Sanders says is kind of building young men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you get to instill a lot of values mm-hmm. in kids and hard work, ethic, right. um, you know, teamwork and also mm-hmm. failure. What that mm-hmm. means. I mean, people right. do not teach. Somebody failure. has to lose. Like you and, said, you know, the well, participation here, trophies always perplexed me. <laughs> they, they do. Well, the thing is in, in business, I actually think that, I, I mean, business building is surviving your mistakes every day. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, that's re- right. it's preventing yourself from getting too much into mm-hmm. the larger expenses mistakes that mm-hmm. bankrupt you. And it's literally about how mm-hmm. foul, how, how much can you fail and how often mm-hmm. and how small. Right. And that's always the thing because the mm-hmm. more you can fail, the more you can learn, the more mm-hmm. you can grow from that, the more you can constantly iterate and then mm-hmm. kind of continue to build from there. Right. You know, and, and to me, it's not just sports. It's anything, you know, band, choir, theater, all of those right. things where you are having to come together 
And, and I think that was probably one of the hardest things during COVID was that kids could not do that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I think, you know, things, things really suffered, but it is about, you know, how are you going from those and learning to go forward? Um, you know, and, and I think it's just phenomenal. Well, oh my gosh, Adam, we've only got about five minutes left. This has been fascinating. We have to chat again because I think we, you know, we just scratched the surface. I didn't even get through all my notes, you know, all my notes are, <laughs> I didn't even get through all of them. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to talk with you again, but Tell us, you know, how do people find you? Um, let me hold up the book again. Da, 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 the 2000% Life, Your Guide to Spiritual Growth and Business Success Without Meditating on a Mountaintop. We'll obviously have the, the link to that in the show notes. But how do people find you and what are the services that you provide? Sure. You can go to adamhergenrother.com. You can find our our podcast, our mm-hmm. books. There's another book called The Founder and Force Multiplier. That's the mm-hmm. relationship between a strategic you know, partner. We call it mm-hmm. EAs, chief of staffs, right? In mm-hmm. the founder or the visionary um, from there. And then of course, the 200% life as well too, that's mm-hmm. there in our podcast. We have a bunch of free downloads and trainings and you can mm-hmm. see our- Oh yeah. Lots of good resources. On yep. there, and that, that would be the place to go. Mm-hmm. I loved it. You had the-, the this, uh, smartphone backgrounds. Um, and, and I thought that was so cute that you've got the one that say, we all die. I might have to change out my Ralphie CU uh, mascot one to, to that. I mean, I just, I thought that was great. And, but you know, we're flip about that, but it is true. You know, it, it's, but you know, it is kind of, what is your legacy going to be? Um, you know, and, and do you want it to be one where you were giving and, you know, all of these various things, how did you define success? Uh, things like that. Yeah. I actually even think like, I even, it's not a popular answer, but I, I think even legacies are a little bit of, of kind of overhyped. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that um, the only reason why people fear death is because they they think that death um, takes something away from them. They still right. think that life owes them some special experience mm-hmm. or depth of the experiences mm-hmm. they're looking for. The reality is, is once you come to understand that you are going to die, mm-hmm. and I think about it thirty to forty times a day, not in a morbid way, just as a reminder mm-hmm. of the fragility, the fragility of life, mm-hmm. and how uh, easy we can get caught up mm-hmm. in things, and then. You know, we work all day and then our families get our leftover energy, which is mm-hmm. not the way. I have this little- Should be mantra. the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, business never has a right to dump up my inner state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always I always make sure that's happening before mm-hmm. I go into any, whether I'm talking to my friends or family or anything, because it's just not right. It's just, mm-hmm. it's something that you're doing while you're here. Mm-hmm. The reality is every society that's ever been there mm-hmm. has always been looked on and been like, wow, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. At some point- they will look back and go, do you remember those Americans when it was 500 years down the road, a thousand years down the road? So what your legacy, like you, you, people spend all this time trying to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do the deep inner work and the legacy actually just uh, appears from right. that. It becomes, and you mm-hmm. just become this individual mm-hmm. that is helping move mm-hmm. all of humanity in a way that's, mm-hmm. that's positive, but um, yeah, death can be a powerful motivator for people mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of get and ask the deeper, all I would care about that is like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Right. Like, those are the deeper. I don't mean the roles that you play. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that your fact that you're a CEO or you're a parent or you're a son. Mm-hmm. I mean, who are you? Mm-hmm. Right. Who? And then you answer those deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Life becomes um, a lot less difficult for people. Mm-hmm. I love it. So much fun. Well, Adam, I really have had you know just a delightful conversation with you, and would love to to continue it. Um, but until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? You know, I really think if people um, gain some perspective uh, and stop taking themselves so serious in life and have a, I don't want to say just have more fun, just realizing that everything that you thought was a problem at some point is no longer a problem. At some point, every problem you have will no longer be a problem. And so we get so caught up in these identities and these roles that we play that it prevents us from actually enjoying the depth of the experience. For example, like I would even ask in the last hour that they listened to you and I talk, did you actually listen to it? Or did you listen to the mind narrate the conversation of being like, I like what Adam said. I don't really like what Adam said. I love what Deb said, but Adam should have, Deb should ask a different question, Adam, right? And most people are spending so much time trying to narrate the world instead of experience the world. It's like reading the menu instead of eating the meal. It's like, how do you describe an orange if you've never tasted one? And this is why people have so much anxiety in their lives is because they've never, they're not really truly experiencing life. You're experiencing the mind narrate it. 
And so the, the gift would be is the deeper the work that you do, the more experience you have in life, the lighter you become, the easier life is. I mean, look, it is Disney World out there. They're talking about turtleback rocks on Mars and they're getting excited. And it's a rock that looks like a turtle. I mean, you go outside around here and there is nothing but just people in different shapes and colors. And some people talk to you low and some people yell at you and, and it's funny. Like it's just there. And you just get to experience the totality of you being here, witnessing this unfolding that's in front of you. And that's the greatest gift that you can have is the true experience of life. Oh my gosh. Such wonderful wisdom. Well, I'm Deb Creer. This has been so much fun talking with Adam Hergenrother. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.